When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. We are live. Rewind Raw on a Monday night. Who would have thought going live on Monday night would be in our cards? But here we are. It's John Pollock along with Waiting. We are here with you for the next, uh, well, length of time that it takes to get through tonight's episode of Raw, chat all the news, and most importantly, on a Monday night, phone calls. Yes, most importantly, and I think already we're starting off uh, with a very rocky start, so apologies, everybody, if you've only heard John uh, at the end of that sentence, but he basically welcomed us to this live, very live, and very, 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 very uh, technically perfect show. Well, you always try to get off to uh, as hot a start as as possible. So, well, there we are. How are you? Yeah, Doing all right, John, yourself? I'm doing okay. Uh, We've got, what do we have to talk about tonight? We're going to talk about masks. We're going to talk about eyeballs being extracted on Sunday. Uh, Swamps. Man, the whole gamut, I think, will be covered on tonight's show. I mean, really, it's, you know, what more is there in life than those several things? Is this the silliest pay-per-view that you can recall WWE putting together as we've got coming up on Sunday? Silliest. Okay. Well, I would argue that, you know, trying to promote a, a, a pay-per-view around the greatest match ever was pretty silly to me. This one, um, definitely maybe a bit more, you know, Halloween themed, cartoony, cartoon themed than, than most remains to be seen. I think what puts this one over the top is that for the show that is now being promoted, like the main event now feels like this eye for an eye match. That's what was pushed the hardest tonight. And the fact that when they had to find their monthly song to illustrate the theme of the pay-per-view, they have selected Watch Me Now by Kevin Rudolph. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize. Wow. Okay. I mean, they could have done better, don't you think? Like anything with an all eyes on the me. tiger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have the tiger. I guess that's uh, all, all possibilities. Yes. Um, well, we will get into that later. Uh, how was your weekend, Way? It was good. My weekend was good. I watched Hamilton, the talk of the world. It seems I, got, I finally got on that Disney Plus. It made okay. me get on Disney Plus. Nice. Okay. Uh, did you have you ever attended a musical before? Yes, I have. I believe I, I, I think I, I went to the Phantom of the Opera on a class trip. Oh, and I've seen Mamma Mia. Greatly enjoyed that. Okay. Love that shit. So you can uh, get into a musical. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm a big I'm a music fan. But like, you know, I'll say like most musicals tend to be made for uh, people even older than me. And I say that as somebody who is getting up into that musical age, I suppose. But Hamilton is, it feels different. It feels like it's, it's made for a, I mean, it's a wide audience and maybe that's why it's so, so popular. Mm-hmm. I am not a musical fan at all. Um, I feel if I was to, um, well, uh, a number of years ago, uh, uh, the South Park guys, they, they came out with their musical and I was Book like, of Mormon. Okay, yes, the Book of Mormon. And I thought, okay, 
I'm not a musical fan, but if there's going to be a subject matter that's going to get me into something, this is it. And I went to see it, and it still did not overcome my dislike of musicals. And I've re- I really have nothing against it. It's just not my uh, preferred form of entertainment. But I also look at Hamilton, like there's another subject matter I think I would like, but I don't know. I just, the, so, the musical aspect to me is just, it, it's a no-go for me. Really? Yeah. Why? Is, is, it, is it too too ridiculous? It's not that it's too ridiculous. It's just that I I, I can't take the constant song breaks. Uh, and that's what the musical is. Like, that's just like, so, I'm not one to complain. Like, that's okay. literally what it is. So, so it's so just Jackie me. Jackie McKenna in the chat room. Hello, everybody in, in the chat room, by the way. Uh, Jackie McKenna is suggesting Aqua the musical. And don't tell me you can't get into that. Uh, no, that's called a concert. Uh, that's I would never want to see the, the the lives of Aqua it's not perform a for two hours. It's not a concert. I'm saying they, that's what Aqua would be. They are a group. They are a band. That's like me telling you a, uh Nirvana the musical. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I would absolutely watch Nirvana the musical. Are you kidding me? If they can find some sort of narrative to tell a story using those songs, I think that would be great. Okay. Well, I'm not dying to see Aqua the musical either, but... um. How well, how is Hamilton and how is it on Disney Plus? Is it something that it would compel you to go watch the musical? Because it was, I don't think it actually started here in Toronto. It was about to, or maybe they had, but um, yeah, it was not cheap either. Yeah, it's really expensive, and I think that's why. To be honest, I had no interest uh, in in doing that, mainly because of the price. Honestly, I didn't re- even really know a whole lot about the history of of Alexander Hamilton, so. I went into it pretty cold, really mainly due to the hype. And I think that the fact that it was available, you know, uh, at this point on TV in an accessible way, and it was fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, you I, I, once one, one go. Yes, I did. Yeah. It, and how long is it? Like two hours and 40 minutes. Oof. Um, but you just get into it. Um, and I didn't expect it, expect that, that I would be, I, I will say like, as you know, a Canadian, we don't really get a huge deal of american history at all in our schooling system whatever i do know is probably from pop culture so i definitely had to like do a bit of homework do a bit of research prior to it and it made the experience so much more enjoyable just googling a few videos out there on youtube about you know general american history who alexander hamilton was just to provide yourself a a bit of that framework before you head into it but like once you enter in even like you know through like um a television it just like blast you in the face with these like incredible songs and of course it's for people who don't know it's all done in rap and these songs are like so good the songs are so good and the lyrics are so sharp the flows are so good like and everything is is just being done in a way to educate and i'm just like watching this i'm like you're teaching me about the subject that i think would otherwise be extremely boring because i've been to history classes where like my teacher just basically reads off a book. It's the it's the worst. Like those teachers, I'm sorry. Like I don't know if it's just how they're trained, but like it's a waste of everybody's time. Like I had a history teacher just literally read from his textbook in front of our class. Without I think t- like, teaching comes with a, a huge performative aspect that some teachers have and some don't. I, I I had a mixture of them. I had some great teachers in high school that, I mean, history, like there's tons of compelling subject matter in history that you can make really uh, enticing to, I would say, like a, a teenager in 10th or 11th grade. But it can also be extremely dry if you um, are just, you know, reciting facts and dates. 
Now, if my teacher, like, got his friends and, like, got into a cipher and just started to, like, rap battle, like, you know, each side of, of like, you know, the American Revolution, um, I'd be hooked. I'd be gripped. And that's what this was. Like, it, it was fantastically well, well made. Uh, and I think that that definitely conveys itself even in recorded form. Okay. Well, you've... Um... Oh, pro tip from Nate Milton, though, who told me this beforehand, is it's to watch with the subtitles. And that's one of the advantages of seeing this on Disney Plus than, you know, watching it live. Because you really have to, like, follow, I think, some of these lyrics to really, really fully grasp, you know, um, a lot of it. Well, I, as much as I will say, like, my, my like, just do not enjoy musicals. I, wa- I was on the fence about buying tickets here in Toronto because my wife is a massive fan. She has played that soundtrack ad nauseum in, in our house. So I'm familiar with all the songs and her birthday, oh, wow. was, her birthday was coming up and I was considering getting tickets. I was like, well, if there's one person that I will sit through a musical with, it is her. And then the pandemic hit and this was right around the time I was getting set to buy tickets. And I'm just glad I did not because I probably would have been just uh, who knows how long until those like theater shows will restart in our city? Oh my God, I know. Yeah, I I would I would hope that you would have been able to get a refund pretty easily. Uh, my neighbor actually w- like went through the same thing. Like my neighbor's kid just graduated like grade eight, and like their present to her were tickets to Hamilton, and obviously she was incredibly disappointed that she won't be able to go. Um, they got so. refunds, not credits. I would hope so. I I, I, I would mean, hope so too. I wouldn't want to be stuck with uh, oh hey you uh, Hamilton's not going to be restarting here, but you, you get can go see to Hamilton. Mary Poppins. Yeah, you can literally go on a bus trip to Hamilton. You can go to Cops Coliseum, check out <laughs> see some the Tiger Cats. Or sorry, yeah. they're they're not allowing fans in, so you can uh, watch them at the bar. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. what do you think about uh, stage three? We're uh, we're left out of stage three here in Ontario. And rightfully so. I mean, the rest of Ontario seems to be doing, like, you know, far better than us. And understandably why, like, we are the most populated city. Um, so I, I'm i perfectly happy to take our time. It just feels like a week or two ago that we entered stage two. So patience, everybody. I've I've adapted. I've adapted to a world where I wake up and my options of what to do consist of one to two things. And that's pretty much my my area of options. Yeah. Are you telling me though you don't have any frustrations? I mean, you know, even the most patient of us, I feel by this point, must have some, like you know, um, like I'm, I, I, I definitely, um, you know, am missing some family time. Like I haven't really been able to interact with my parents at all mm-hmm. during this whole thing. My parents are like of an older age. Um, even today, like while getting my car fixed. I just had like time to kill. And usually I would fill that time by just sitting down in the cafe doing some work. I couldn't do that. So it's oh, like- I, I miss tons of things. Like there's, there's certain days where, especially in the summer where it's just like, you know, you, there's just so many things I would like to be doing right now that I, I can't do. Um, you know, it's, it's like, like my, what? uh, I, I would, well, b- beyond just like friends and family and that stuff. And I, I I'm, I see my parents like, Every so often, so it's not, I think, uh, to the same case as yours. Uh, but just like going to a baseball game, going to—I uh, uh, would love to take Max this year to Canada's Wonderland because I think he'd have a lot of fun and enjoy it. Now can't do that. I mean, you can't go anywhere. Like, there's not mm-hmm. pretty much anything that would be like just a, a fun thing to do on a weekend or during the week. Like, there's nothing. It's—I mean, there's minimal things, but it's like 
just walking. It's like my, my big outing during the day is like going to a, a, a coffee shop that is uh, you get in line with uh, four other people and are six feet apart and then you get it to go. How, how was your weekend, though? Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was it was great. Saturday, uh, it was Max's birthday. He turned three years yes. old. Uh, so we had a uh, we had a great day. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, say, if you can't do something like Canada's Wonderland, what what do you do instead? Uh, we we got creative. I mean, we uh we, we like decorated like a whole part of the house for him, and he was up like really early. And it was like the year where like he 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 understood it was his birthday, so he was like really excited about it. So that that part was a lot of fun. And then he got. Uh, all these uh, these toys that required assembling, like this entire uh, set of like trucks with roads to construct. It, w- it was quite the undertaking to put this whole thing together. Uh, we w- we went outside. We like it's unfortunate because he's got a lot of friends, but we couldn't get together for any kind of like birthday party with these kids on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he still had like a, a really good time. Uh, we w- we went out for like we walked for like two and a half hours. Uh, during the day uh so i mean you just make do but i i we still had a great time it's just you adapt right it's like this is not anything new we've been used to this now for four plus months and you just sort of like you're not going to just approach every day with what you can't do you just kind of adapt and try and make the best of our limited situations and and how how like how much does he understand of what's going on I mean, I think a good, a, a decent amount. Like he understands when like his grandparents will come over that they have to stay in the backyard and that we're at a distance or why people have masks on. I mean, he understands all of it. He just realizes it's the germs. We can't spread the germs. And, you know, he, I think understands it and knows like it, it's, you know, he'll go outside and he's got like one friend across the street. So they'll be like on opposite sides of the street. And it's, Aww. it's pretty adorable to be honest. Like Aww. they'll just like, they'll call to each other. And anyway, so that no, is he, so cool. I, I think he gets a good like grasp. Like he's at the age now where like he, he understands like what, what you're explaining to him. And he's got like a very good memory of things. I think he got that from me. I did pass along my memory. You're just telling him like today's date and making sure to let him know. Horror show at Extreme Rules is the Saturday. See, he he retains like important information, like things <laughs> like of like what we did several weeks ago and uh, instructions that we have given him to to do, as opposed to uh, like dates or random things that really have very little value beyond uh, someone that writes news updates. Well, uh, I always. Always, always enjoy hearing updates on Max. It's been so long since I've seen him. I feel like next time I see him, he'll be a completely different person. He he yeah. asks about you every so often. Is that right? Wow. Yes. Well, please tell him I said hi. Please tell him I said happy birthday. And several people in the chat room are also wishing Max a very happy birthday. Oh, so thank you very much. The there, was, entire- there were several Thursdays uh, when we stopped doing the hangout where I would bring him home and he would ask where Way was because he knew on Thursdays Way always came here so that when I, I'd pick him up, uh, and bring him home, Wei would be downstairs finishing uploading the show, and he'd always see <laughs> Wei, and he knew that Wei came on Thursdays. And that's the day he would ask about you. So now, um, I guess, how does he remember Thursdays now? It's going to be totally weird. Well, it's strange now, because he he's used to, like, certain routines, like, whether it was, like, one of our moms that would come over on a certain day, like, all of that's kind of been uh, thrown out. So, like, he had... Like just certain people would come on a certain day and that's how he would realize which days it were. And Thursdays was the days that you would come over. 
Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, now he just thinks you've like disappeared or something. So, um, we'll, we'll have to update him on, on way. We should, you should really just give him like one of these headphones. You should sit in on these podcasts. I think not at this hour. He, he is asleep and I don't want to jinx that. Uh, but what did you get on Saturday night? Did you get around to any, any UFC? You know, I watched a little bit mainly because I wanted to follow the watch along from Phil chair talk and, let me very carefully think this through. Eric Marcotte. Ding, yes. ding, ding. Correct. Yes. I, I Marcotte the, the watch along. It was Bill fantastic. screwed up on the weekend. I tuned in right as he was introducing him and he butchered it. Oh, I But I he understand. caught himself. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, great job by, by those guys and great job by you. Like, I, I mean, I was so impressed with the live stream, the, the quality of it and the interaction there. I had a lot of fun. I put on the fight and then like, like listened oh that's cool and it was really cool yeah Yeah. i I wish i could be in there more like honestly of all the coverage that like we will do it's the ufc shows are the hardest for me to be doing notes for the for the podcast after while also doing coverage on the site Mm -hmm. it's very difficult because i'm literally like doing like round by round stuff and it's just uh it's it's why the these six hour shows they go by so quick for me because there's no there's no downtime unless there's like a little brief break between fights that I can run up and grab some water or something. But uh, yeah, it's it really the uh, all credit to uh, Phil and Eric. They did a, a great job and the live stuff. I really enjoy doing the the live aspect of the post show and that's that's all Phil the master the master he, he really is the master so I, I hope to learn some from from him he's he's our master wato uh and <laughs> i uh with better pants and um you know it was really cool like they they were doing the live stream and then between fights they might even like take some phone calls and i heard mj there you know chime in talking about how much money he's lo- he lost on his bets congratulations um, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun it was fun and on the topic of live streams uh so i i imagine you know they won't be doing these watch-alongs, I think, for every UFC, I think it'll be a, a show-by-show basis. But uh, I would imagine all the post shows you can catch right now are, are, are going forward. You'll be able to catch on YouTube.com slash post-wrestling, so do subscribe. But on the topic of live streams, as we're talking about Extreme Rules, Horror Show, whatever, I wanted to promote the Up Next YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Up Next. They, uh, they will also be hosting a watch-along for Extreme Rules this Sunday on their channel. So do subscribe and uh, watch along with those guys. Well, that will be fun. Uh, just for Braden's reaction to the eye extraction. Oh my God. That'll be one that deserves to be played and played and played. Yeah. I mean, uh, a few, yeah, over a month ago, I went on their show for, for best match ever. And we talked about Stan Hansen and Vader when Vader's eye popped out. And, and that was pretty gruesome. Uh, and I believe it was the first time Braden had watched that match. So he can compare notes. Well, I'm really curious to see how they do this eye thing. Like they, they flat out promised it on the show. You will see one man's eye get gouged out on this pay-per-view. How? Yeah, it's in some ways it feels like it's almost a, the pay-per-views have become, uh, I won't even say so much a lot. Like, Last month, it was pretty, like, over... Like, it was clear what the strategy was to get this greatest match ever thing. And this week, this month, it just feels like we're building on top of that in, like, almost more of a desperation plea of tune in because it's going to be fucked. That's the the tease. (laughs) 
That should be the tagline. <laughs> Tune in. It's going to be fucked. Yeah. Damien Abraham will be providing the theme song. Ooh. Uh, we really kind of are at that point, and that's rather unfortunate because I feel like wrestling has continued to prove, at least through other, you know, other companies, that there's a great deal of interest in just really good wrestling without having to rely on, you know, really silly gimmicks like this in order to get people's attention. So, I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, I, and we'll get into it with uh, how UFC performed uh, on the weekend as well. But before do, we do that, uh, since we talked about the shows already, let's just quickly give a, an overview here. Uh, Tuesday night, Way and I are going to be back. It is, can we call it the season finale of MCU reviews? Because it's not the series finale. We may revisit future ones, but we're all caught up after Tuesday night because it is Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes, we are. Yes, uh, I think we could call it that. And, and you know, I, I didn't realize it until today. But of course, the Eye for the Eye match features uh, Rey Mysterio, and this review also features Mysterio. So before we talk about Mysterio, we'll be talking about this Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Not only, um, you know, is this the first review, the first movie after the snap, so we get to see what the world looks like in the MCU following. Uh, We'll also, you and I, John, will be making an announcement of what our next film series that we'll be reviewing will be. And very, very special announcement. We will be releasing a brand new T-shirt that will exclusively launch tomorrow night at store.postwrestling.com. Ooh. So tune in for the review and then check the store out afterwards. Yes. And maybe a week from tonight, we'll be talking about Raw and either Rey Mysterio or Seth Rollins uh wearing edith uh oh okay yeah glasses right okay that's the best i've got <laughs> okay that's why way is the expert and i am the passenger on the mcu reviews no uh, it works wednesday we've got rewinded dynamite and up next uh friday we will have another live show a lot of live shows coming up uh, this week 10 15 eastern friday night rewind to smackdown uh which we will also tee up the uh the weekend's events we've got Slammiversary on Saturday night, which I'm going to be joined by not just Nate Milton, but also the man who's been doing the weekly reports on Impact on the site, Davey Portman. So the three of us will be doing the Impact post show on Saturday night uh, coming out of Slammiversary. And whoever is showing up, the mysterious people that have been uh, uh, circling around Impact will be making their debuts or returns. I'm very curious to know. Yeah. Should be a newsworthy show. And then Sunday night, Way and I are here. We will be live right after the horror show at Extreme Rules. I don't know Thank what you. we're we're calling this the this show. I'm just calling it Extreme Rules. But uh we will be live right after the show, and that will be for double double ice cap and espresso members of the post wrestling cafe and taking calls on all the live shows this week. I also wanted to mention on the up next feed on Wednesday. They, Davey and Brandon will be releasing their best match ever, a free version of it, talking about their top five matches from this year's New Japan Cup. So uh, feedback thread is right now on the forum. Again, that's going on the free th- feed a preview of what the type, type of content you might get on their Patreon. Uh, they're always releasing shows, so do check that out. Yes, and a final thing is that we did put up a show on Sunday night with Mike Murray running down Dominion, and we had... Uh, Dissenting viewpoints on evil versus Tetsuya Naito. So find out 
what side of the fence we all fell on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will. Um, hey, hey, also, we're taking your phone calls later today. If you wanted to talk about anything on Raw or anything from the New Japan shows this past weekend or really anything else, we're, we're going to uh, spend some time on the phone. So uh, we're not going to take calls quite yet, but please uh, stick around. Yes, all subjects welcome. Uh, let's dive into the news. Uh, this was um, an interesting story that kind of builds upon you know what we had been talking about, and that was the WWE implementing their policy uh, with mandatory masks in the performance center and instituting uh, fines uh, with five hundred dollars for a first offense, a thousand for a second offense. Uh, that PW Insider had reported several weeks back. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Fightful had mentioned that. A star on Raw had approached Vince McMahon and it kind of led to these uh, policies being put into place. And uh, Pat LaProd on his podcast with uh, Kevin Raphael, two friends of the show, uh, on their podcast a few days ago uh, spoke about Kevin Owens being that person. And he had gone to Vince McMahon. This was at the Raw tapings which included tonight's episode. They were done back on Friday, July the 3rd, so 10 days ago. And Owens just didn't see that, you know, proper safety measures were in place and he was prepared to go home. Uh, and it led to a discussion with him and Vince. And what came out of it was these policies that were put into place. And now we're getting masks that are mandatory. There's uh, fines in place as well. And I just think that if you are someone in that building, uh, no matter what your attitude is toward the masks, and I'm sure there's some that look at it as a hassle, I hope that most of those people can take a uh, overall viewpoint and realize that they are in a significantly safer environment because someone spoke up and there's actual changes that came out of it as opposed to someone just complaining privately and nothing gets done. There was something meaningful changed, and I think that they should all be thankful that somebody spoke up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that locker room might be like. I don't know what people's attitudes towards it. I mean, if if Twitter is any indication, I would imagine attitudes are very are varied regarding, you know, use of face masks and, and everything. So um, uh, I don't know if gratitude should be expected, nor do I think Kevin Owens really cares. Really, like, I think he, the man just wants to be in a safe working environment for the safety of his family and the people that are around him. Um you know, he has mentioned many times that his his uh, wife's grandfather recently died from COVID-19. So very clearly, he's taking it exceptionally seriously. And not only that, he's become a strong advocate on, on his social media platforms just to speak out and to try to inform people about what exactly is going on and to take this thing seriously. Now, I was a little surprised, to be honest, that he... You know, like, uh, so, so, the, so, you know, I had heard the story from, from Pat's pod, podcast, but... Uh, today he was doing a series of interviews to promote tonight's ed edition of Raw, and flat out like takes credit, you mm -hmm. know, like, and, and I don't mean takes credit in like, hey everybody, I got this done. It was more so like, um, WWE has listened to my concerns and they took it very seriously, and it went down like this when I went to Vince McMahon's office, and um, now there's a fine. So he he really seems to like you know want to do what whatever he can to i guess get the word out as much as he he's able to i think he probably also realized that the news was out um mm. you know um I, I don't know when these these interviews were were done but i mean that the, the thing was like it was on um 
Pat's podcast, but it's a French language podcast. So the news did not really uh, trickle out. Um, and we, we were contacted by a listener who first informed us. And then I, you know, asked around about this and, you know, kind of had heard the stories. Um, but yeah, so he then he spoke to SI.com today and he also spoke to ESPN and brought up just the fact that, um, yeah, that he he went to the company, they took his concerns seriously, and I just think that it was something that I'm glad the company has done. And I also look at this Wednesday, uh, do you expect AEW to have a different approach when it comes to masks? Because they're back for a new show this Wednesday. Uh, the last, you know, the Fighter Fest, those were like a block of tapings uh, two days together. Uh, but this Wednesday... Like I, I will be disappointed if we just see the ex- exact same setup where it's all the audience members without masks. I would be too. I would be too. I mean, the bar is definitely very different now than what what was what came before. And I think AEW has, you know, like started especially off especially in Florida. Especially well, that's in Florida. exactly it. I mean, you know, I'll say I think AEW started off like really strong with how 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 cautious they've been uh, and ensuring the safety of all their performers by testing them. Every single time they were leaders at one time, but now, um, now that that is the standard and now that the cases in Florida are as high as they are, I feel like it's a completely different world and they need to be a lot more strict. And I don't know if they've taken those measures. I certainly, you know, as a viewer watching at home, I would feel more safe if, if people were taking those cautions Now, uh, it is an outdoor venue, you know, technically it is. I mean, it is an outdoor venue. You have like a giant breeze, I'm sure, blowing through the whole thing. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily excuses it. Like if I were to be in a park, even in Toronto right now, I'm not just hanging out with everybody without a face mask. I mean, granted, I'm not being tested, but. They're um, also not six feet apart either. I mean, these are people that yeah. are like pretty much, you know, lumped together in these crowds. Yeah, I mean, and, and it really, it's it's all, it, it comes down to like so much of, of, of just personal comfort. And, you know, for everybody listening to this right now, it's going to be different for many people. They're not going to be bothered. They don't really care. Um, I guess, you know, I always think about what sort of impression and what sort of like, uh, I don't know, what's the responsibility of a broadcaster? I, I, I think honestly, like, I, I, I'm really like, I understand they're being tested, but like, I mean, that is clear as day like we know that like you test negative that does not mean everyone is in the clear and there will be no nothing can be spread like that is just false and to me and what is the harm in taking that extra step well well, that's it to me if i turn on this show on wednesday and we see no masks that's almost a statement that we are actively against the idea of masks like that's the message i see when at the very least we're going to put these on because this is this sadly has become a very political issue and this divide. And I think it's almost uh, a sign like from our company, like what side we are on in terms of health and safety, as opposed to uh, the, the argument on the other, that this is a restriction of one's freedom by wearing a mask that I, as a company owner, would want to be sending out the right message. So, you know, like from from all of uh, like the corporate messaging that I've seen from Tony Khan and some of the other executives involved with the company, it doesn't seem like they're they're too concerned about that. feels like a lot of the steps that they've taken thus far have been, you know, for like for the safety of the performers um, and, and really just, 
I, I really just don't see what they lose by having people by enforcing people to wear masks and to, to enforce social distancing. I think the shows could still be just as loud. Um, Do you think part of it is that they're there to create noise that we just don't want to have the masks that are going to restrict people from making noise or that still make noise with masks? Uh, like it's not those things aren't soundproof. I guess they're just and to be honest, like they probably just let like we have seen some masks in AEW. It's not like we haven't seen any. I'm sure it's just being left to the individual to decide. And most probably feel that, hey, if I've passed a test, I'm fine and I don't need this mask. It's not uh, I don't enjoy wearing a mask, so I'm not going to. And I, I think that, you know, in the case that we just cited with, with WWE, it is going to take uh, a mandatory ruling to see masks it's if you're if you're leaving it up to the individuals well then we're, we're going to see a lot of people without them and i just think at this point um and i i don't know if i would be this hard line if we were talking about uh different parts of the world uh even different parts of the u.s but in florida where they had fifteen thousand cases on sunday like this is like the most dangerous state when it comes to the spread of this virus that i would be taking I would be overly cautious, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. If it, it, we won't be having, I don't know if I'd be having this discussion uh, if these shows were in Japan. But look at what New Japan's been doing. They've been taking extra measures, even though their numbers are relatively low. Uh, and I think that's like the confidence you ultimately want to inspire in your audience. And and you know, from all of AEW's moves thus, thus far, except for this one, um, and I guess except for you know, bring like some of your older people into the roster. Uh, it tells me that they want to be sending that message. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk about the UFC 251 buys. So The Athletic earlier today had reported uh, that the card did 1.3 million buys. And then uh, John Orand at Sports Business Journal had some additional reporting and said that uh, it was 1.3 million buys with at least 900,000 on ESPN+. Plus unbelievable figures for this card on Saturday night. Um, this like that to put into perspective is almost double what Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje did back in May, which that alone, that was a stunning number that they did that high. So I mean, so, 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 so that is the number, John, cause I heard like North of a million, but it's, it's 900,000. 900,000 on ESPN. This is what Sports Business Journal is uh, reporting. At least 900,000 on ESPN Plus, but then the total number is 1.3. Okay. So that so would include like international buys. World. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That is a, a, a astounding, honestly. And like, yeah, I, I certainly had, personally had more interest in this card than, than others, but I, I wouldn't have expected this one, for instance, to beat a Connor pay-per-view. Yeah, so. like the the Connor one... Um, we don't know what that one did worldwide, but to compare, like that in January did a million on ESPN Plus. Okay, so um, it didn't beat it. It well, yeah. I mean, the figure we've heard the latest one was at least nine hundred thousand. So I don't know what that end number will will turn out to be. The fact that it's even within distance of a Conor McGregor fight from January uh, that's astounding. And um, I don't know if ESPN will released the official number uh the last time disney did one of their big earnings call uh, they talked about the growth of espn plus and actually laid out uh, the number for that uh, cerrone conor mcgregor fight so uh we might get a number straight from disney at, at some point down the line but that's that's just an enormous enormous figure and you know uh well above my expectation level and i would say that 
it's an interesting one looking next month because I I do feel this Stipe Miocic Daniel Cormier fight is bigger than the card we had this past weekend. The difference though is a month from now we also have a lot of regular sports that are coming back. And I mean, UFC has just done some incredible business during these couple of months, whether it be television ratings and pay-per-view buys, because the uh, Ferguson Gaethje fight was through the roof. And this one just shattered my expectations. I guess my question to you is how much of it do you think is the card itself and how much of it has been the um, controversy surrounding it? You know, the the combination of it being on an island and all this talk about fight island and also everything going on with the the late edition of Hori Masvidal. I think that the marketing of Fight Island was pretty impressive in terms of, like, I think a lot of people were aware of this thing. Um, I think if you bought it just for that reason, though, you'd be very disappointed because it was pretty much in this makeshift arena. It's not like they were out on the beach, but for those paying attention, they knew ahead of time that was not going to be the case. Um, Masvidal definitely helped. He definitely helped. I don't know if he was the difference, though, from, like, this card... Like, I think if Gilbert Burns was in that spot, I still think this one probably would have done above expectations because it just seems like when there's a big UFC card, it's an enormous interest. But I, I think Masvidal added a ton to this one. He would be the biggest the biggest reason um, for this surge in, in buys. But I think even with Gilbert Burns, I think this one would have ended up doing pretty well, even by normal standards. And, and how much of a factor do you think, like, people staying at home and not meeting together to share a pay-per-view, for instance, might play in, in an elevated, I guess, number? I think that factor and just a lack of other sports going on, I think both are key factors in this. Um, and it's a great point because, you know, UFC, especially the big shows, they're ones you get together with a group of eight to ten people. So of the that party, if five of those 10 are ordering it individually. How many other groups are doing the same thing? Like it's a Saturday night, your options are limited and it's a big fight. I think that that probably helped a lot. So if they can ride this momentum into next month, like I could see that being just um, another another monster number next month for the heavyweight title fight with it being Cormier's retirement fight. Like a lot of people believe it's going to be his last fight. Um yeah, that could be a real big one. And the other factor in all of this way is ESPN. Like that that's a difference maker, the fact that it this is all being promoted on ESPN's channels. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And probably more people now subscribing to the service than even in January. Yeah. I mean, they UFC is the biggest driver of subscribers on ESPN Plus. Like mm-hmm. it it's turning out to look like an incredible deal for ESPN and ESPN plus uh, mm. and for the UFC as, as well. So this, um, yeah, whatever, whatever the cut was for those with, with pay-per-view points like that to me would be a, a big, big night for Kamaru Usman, for Jorge Masvidal. Um, yeah, it's just way above what, what I anticipated th- this card doing. Were, were, were there any other um, news stories you wanted to get to? I just, just a few here. Why okay, do we well, call? Uh, before that, no, I, I wanted to ask you, actually, if you wanted to take calls like uh, about just general topics and news before we get into Raw, just because it might be getting a bit late and, you know, if, if somebody wanted yeah, to, sure. for instance, chat. So uh, if you want to talk about anything but Raw right now, feel free to call in. You could Skype us at Post Wrestling or one seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty three on your phone. So, uh, yeah, we'll be taking some phone calls before we, we get into the Raw topic. But what is the last news story, John? 
Uh, New Japan announced their uh, cards, f- uh, their next two cards, which is uh, New Japan Road next Monday, uh, which is a smaller show. It's headlined by Evil, Dick Togo, and Taiji Ishimori against Tetsuya Naito, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi. Uh, and their next big show is going to be the Sengoku Lord event in Nagoya, July 25th, uh, that has Evil and Hiromu for the double championship, Shingo Takagi against El Desperado for the never openweight title, and... Kazuchika Okada versus Yujiro in your uh, top three matches. Uh, As well, the return of Minoru Suzuki and Yoshihashi is back. So obviously the knee injury was not too severe that he just missed the Osaka shows. I'm really happy to hear about both of those returns, uh, especially Minoru Suzuki to, you know, apparently he was working at uh, a pile driver at his store the other day. So uh, hopefully everything is fine and that he's been tested and he's all good. Uh, And this is definitely like, you know, these are definitely more B-level shows, but at the same time, I think I, I'd be approaching with a great deal of curiosity, especially for that main event between Evil and Hiromu Takahashi, with this being uh, not just Evil's first title defense, but, I mean, seeing how he'll do, like, you know, what, how have you liked his two main events thus far? I I guess, John, I guess we, we know we know your thoughts on the Naito one. But personally, like, I I haven't really been too impressed, even with that or nor the Okada match. So, you know, can Hiromu get a better match out of him? We'll see. To the phone lines, Jackie McKenna, you are on the phone. Please unmute yourself and let us know what is on your mind. Hey, guys, uh, is it cool if I talk some New Japan? Of course. Yeah. So, um, you know, like. New Japan is what I primarily follow. I've, I've followed it pretty consistently. Uh, it's actually your guys' coverage of the G1 that got me into it uh, um, way back when. And it's, uh, usually I'm just pre- very confident in all of uh, Gato's booking, and I'm always very like, let's just see how this plays out. But this was the first time in my fandom for New Japan that I was really scratching my head by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Mainly all the bull- the Bullet Club and Evil booking. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I'm you know I, I think Evil's really talented, but I just I, you know I think I'm glad that they're pushing him as strong as they are because you know when the, you know get behind a guy and get behind you know go for it, but it's it just for me felt really s- too soon and you know the thing we keep saying. And, uh, you know, I know WH talks about it. He's like, yeah, you know, Naito wins the belt. Give him a lengthy run and that'll be it. And are we ever getting that Naito lengthy run? Or do you think this is it? Because he's almost 40, um, but his popularity hasn't declined, even if maybe his in-ring ability has. So I just, are they trying to phase out Naito? What do you guys think is going on there? I think the Naito lengthy run was to have taken place until this point i mean i don't I, you wouldn't consider this lengthy of course uh, you know going but uh, like we missed out on a lot like who knows what 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 the original plans were for him what opponents he would have faced off all the way up until this particular point uh in dominion but as far as like a year-long run something like that i don't know and i don't know if naito is the type of character that should have that sort of run is he like the whole drama of the guy is is the chase is it not uh, yeah, I, I've, I've heard that, um, that, that kind of explanation for it. And I agree to a certain extent, but I do think because we as Naito fans have been disappointed so many times, it would have made for some really compelling matches. Like you always think he's going to lose. You always think he's, he's going to get screwed out of it again. And I think it would have been a unique way to book a new Japan champion. Whereas 
right now it seems they're only interested in booking you know dominant okada champion or a heel who cheats and i think a naito kind of champ who you know ekes out the win is a very different approach for new japan but that's just my opinion yeah, no, I, I totally see where, where it's coming from. Like, it was a very abrupt change this weekend and just putting everything behind evil. And I think part of that is maybe just feeling that, you know, we have a very limited roster right now. So we have to rely on, I won't say unconventional booking, but the kind of moves that are going to shake things up. And that's probably the goal with evil. I can't say if it's going to be a successful one or not. Um, and, and Naito... I mean, you can certainly go with a rematch with Evil, although after Sunday, that's the last thing I want to see. Um, and I think that's the other thing is like Naito, does this kind of remove him from the title picture? Because a short reign for Evil does him no favors. You're you're not even giving him a chance then in this role if he were only to hold on to this title for two months. So I think you, you have to keep this title on him for, I think, for the rest of the year at least. Um like if you're going all the way with him, uh, because to do just a short reign, I think that just cuts his legs off immediately. Um, so it, it's really going to be um, ambitious on Ghetto's part to, you know, you don't have a lot of your regular talent available to you now. You've got to work with what's in front of you, which, I mean, is not the worst case scenario given the talent you have. But it's also going to require creating so, some new stars and evil seems to be the top priority. And it's... Uh, I, I think it's certainly going to take work. Thank you so much, Jackie, for your call. Okay. Just can I get one more in? Um, we're going to have to actually move on, unfortunately. All right, yeah, no worries. It's no longer show, so thank you. Uh, caller 330 area code, you're on the line. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, we, yes, we can. Who is this? This is Tim from Ohio. Long time no call, guys. Hey, Hi, Tim. Tim. But uh, I've been busy, but... I want to touch on something because you guys brought up Hamilton at the beginning and you were like talking about what is Broadway going to look like. I am a subscriber to the play, the uh, Broadway in Cleveland series at our, at Cleveland's um, theater complex playhouse square, like eight, seven or nine theaters at this point, massive complex. These people, specifically the president of playhouse square, Gina Vernacci, Man, the carnies could take a, a less. Oh, oh no! Did we lose Tim? Uh, I don't. I think the, the, the carnies so. got him. Sorry, yeah. guys. Oh no! We we got to keep it going, everybody. Uh, okay. Yeah, sorry. we do. I I I don't know. Um, what what plan? Uh, what point Tim was trying to make about that? But uh, it, it sounded very interesting. So can you hear me? Oh, oh. now we can. Okay. Back. Uh, okay. Yes. Quick. Quick. Quick, Tim. Tim we got to get to the wrong. I'm sorry. Thing. I don't. Know. Basically, they are setting this up as COVID-19 and the subsequently the rioting that happened back in June around Playhouse Square are the, the ultimate, the perfect storm, the apocalypse that the theater community has always feared. And if you do not rally around the theater and protect it and fight for it, then you will have no theater and no art in Cleveland. I mean, they are encouraging people to just give. Um, I'm a season ticket holder. I can tell you they are encouraging us to just donate the money that we would have on our balances from all the shows that have been canceled to them and then buy a, a season ticket package for the next season that starts in January 2021. Oh. All right. Um, oh. Thanks. 
<laughs> one of many industries <laughs> that are going to be reeling. Uh, so, I mean, hey, I have nothing against the uh, all these industries. MJ, very quickly, what's on your mind? Oh, I was going to say, you guys hear me all right? This is not yes. working. Yes, we can hear you. Oh, I was just going to say uh, that I'm definitely that customer for UFC that would always watch it at bars and, like, order 249, 251. So they got me hooked. I think they've done a great job of kind of building that next generation of stars. Um, after Connor and Ronda, like, kind of was like, who's their big draw? And they seem to have backfilled really nicely. Uh, kind of like spread the peanut butter around. It's not like one or two big, big names. I'll hang up now because my call is all whack. Oh, you sound fine, MJ. Thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. No, there's, uh, I think that this, it will be interesting to look at uh, when uh, Jorge Masvidal fights again, when Kamaru Usman fights again. Like, what did he benefit from such a um, a big platform? Uh, and Justin Gaethje as well. I think that you're looking at, you know, if they're going to fight again in, let's just throw out six months, um, that they'll have their respective fights. Uh, and we're into a more normal uh, kind of sports landscape with, you know, different options out there. Uh, what are UFC's pay-per-views going to be at? Are they going to maintain this level? Are they receiving that artificial bump because of the pandemic? Because um, there's a lot of people watching UFC and a lot of people paying a lot of money for UFC pay-per-views. It, and you may have created like a, a significant audience during this period. Thank you, everybody, for your calls. Apologies, we, we couldn't uh, stay on a little bit longer, but we do have to move the show along. But thank you, Jackie, Tim, and MJ. And everybody in the chat room, just uh, some shout-outs here. Bruja Van, Phil LaMasters, uh, Jay Infamous, Eric Marcotte, the man himself here. Uh, thank you guys all for joining us and everybody else. So uh, we'll uh, maybe have some time afterwards for uh, some phone calls about Raw as well. But uh, let's get to the review. So Raw tonight, as we mentioned, this was taped uh, July 3rd on uh, Friday, July 3rd. And we kick things off with the VIP lounge with MVP and his new United States title and welcomes out the nicest guy he knows, Dolph Ziggler. And Ziggler jokes about when he wins the title, he's going to turn it into a spinner uh, to no reaction, naturally. MVP calls this a good strategy, not disclosing the stipulation. And in fact, we went this entire episode and we will not know the stipulation until Sunday. Yeah, um, so either they either they don't know or they really think that it would be some sort of like interesting hook to delay it. And I really have to wonder because this what, is... What about a cut off your nose to spite your face match? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, you already got the props department hopefully working on a fake eye, so a fake nose? Yeah, why not? How about your have a head cutting off match? Like, shit. But, you know, this Summer is... Slam. This is a feud that is so cold. It really needed that little extra kick. And that extra kick really, to me, would have been... Super kick. Be announcing a... Oh. What? No. Was there a super kick during this uh, spot? No, maybe not. No. But, like, the, the you know, whatever stip they have up their sleeves, I would hope that they, like... I, I feel like they could have really announced it here to really, like, you know, increase a bit of interest. Because I'm going into this match not really caring about the feud, nor really caring about what match I'm about to see either. What did I say every week? I said, hey, let's give them the time to build this feud because look what they did with Lashley in four weeks. Well, here we are. We have no more episodes of Raw. This thing is ice cold. Mm. And you cannot tell me that a Bobby Lashley rematch this month would not have been more compelling just by default if it was just MVP cutting promos for four more weeks saying that Drew McIntyre cannot 
get out of the full Nelson. Sure. Submission match, you know, like add an extra stipulation to it. I think it would be definitely a, a bit more interesting than this Dolph thing that's going on. But I mean, the main hook, as we've been discussing right now, is the eye stunt of this thing, you know? Yeah, this, this program has taken a backseat to all the, the goofiness here with the, the Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins feud. I mean, this uh, this feels very cold. And I'll say the other title match on SmackDown, because of the absence of Bray and Braun, like that's all concept. That's the only thing selling that that thing of like, what the hell is this going to be? We're going to get eyes coming out of one show. And on SmackDown, there's going to be someone eaten by an alligator. Like this is really going to, this has the potential to be some really weird shit on Sunday. And, and I'm sad to say, but like, I think that's exactly the type of feeling that they're going for. I think they are too. I think it's like tune in because it's going to be like wrestling on drugs is what you're going to get presented. And there will be people that that curiosity is going to drive their interest as opposed to straight up wrestling feuds selling you because you are not buying or tuning into the show for Drew and Dolph. Uh, Thing is, though, like, save for the, the, the Cena Firefly Funhouse, I feel like they've always like promised things like that. But not they haven't really hit that mark. Like even when they try to do off the wall crazy, like even the Money in the Bank match, I thought it was just pretty tame. Um, certainly, like anything with the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders has been god awful. And you know, not like even when trying to be weird, that they don't feel creative nor weird enough. Well, then they have the bar to hit on on Sunday. Um, Drew comes out and he says that Dolph uses a lot of people. He was the muscle when he was with Dolph and did all the dirty work. And Dolph may be one of the most talented performers in this industry he's ever seen, but he's going to hurt Dolph on Sunday and maim him. Think we'll see someone get maimed? Um, Could be a lot of casualties on Sunday. And he's going to make Dolph beg him to stop. And whatever happens, it's all on you, Dolph. And Drew then nails Ziggler with a right hand, knocking him down. And boy, did this just make me say, wow, this, this title is really in, in question on Sunday. What a, what a buildup here for Dolph Ziggler. I mean, yeah, Dolph, but more importantly, Drew McIntyre. You know, he is the, the star product here. And I feel like it's been week after, month after month of relatively cold feud. Um, Lashley, I think they did their best with. But I, I would say hardly that was like all that memorable nor like all that of a great winning win and of, of a battle for drew mcintyre and i don't see any difference for something like this granted it's a b show but that's no excuse to just like you know give us a nothing match charlie was with garza andrade and vega and vega called out charlie for the false narrative that andrade and garza are not on the same page and they have sent the street profits running scared and women like charlie are beneath them and makes fun of Charlie's weave. And Garza then starts flirting with Charlie saying, I can beat both my opponents before he corrects himself with Andrade and says, we can beat both opponents. And Andrade says that each has the other's back. And then they're going after the tag titles. So the Viking Raiders walk in and Eric said that we are the most blank team. They censored whatever word this was in the middle. They did? Yeah, there was like a, uh, at least on, on Sportsnet's feed, we this word the was the most, like it was only like one word. Shit team? It could have been. I don't know. Uh, they're seeking revenge for the Street Profits. And then Charlie 
is distracted with Ivar, who takes the rose to present to Charlie, and this makes Angel Garza jealous. Yeah, because yeah, Ivar is is the is the new heartthrob on the show. Um, I really like. I really had my fill of these like fake over rehearsed promos week after week from these teams, like the Viking Raiders, but also Andrade and Angel Garza. Just like each week, just like this, the same shtick. Um, the two best people in this segment were Charlie and Zelina Vega. Yes, absolutely. I think the only thing at this point these segments should probably have is a laugh track. <laughs> Why not throw a laugh track or like music, you know, underneath it all? Like burr, the burr, thing burr. sounds so, the, these lines sound so fake already. Just go all the way with it. Like put a score underneath, you know, put like a, just like a studio audience, um, like, you know, sitcom sound effects. <laughs> I'm just picturing this. I can beat both my opponents. I mean, we can beat our opponents. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, Ivar. Forget about Angel. <laughs> Please. Yes. Someone someone put this together for us. Viking Raiders against Andrade and Angel Garza in an elimination tag match. So you had to beat both men instead of just one uh, to fill two segments instead of one. We had Andrade clip Ivar's left knee. Andrade eventually pinned him with a hammerlock DDT. So, uh, sorry, pinned Eric. Eric was the first elimination. Uh, So we come back from break. It's two on one. There's a fist bump as Ivar takes them out with a with a suicide dive as they're bonding on the floor. And then he hits a cartwheel into a clothesline on Garza. Spin kick takes out Andrade, and he pins Andrade with the spin kick. So he's left with Garza. Andrade places Garza's foot on the bottom rope to avoid a cover after taking the spin kick. And then Ivar kicks out of the corner. Garza catches him with a sit-out powerbomb and pins Ivar. And Andrade and Garza bump fists. And they are back on the same page. Back on the same page, setting them up to challenge, of course, the Street Profits as the next team in line. Yeah, so. whenever the Street Profits reemerge. Because they were... Yeah. I mean, anyone who was gone last week was going to be gone this week. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, people that were not available for, for tapings. It was the same people as last week. You know, this... this uh, can they drag out this challenge until SummerSlam, which is August 23rd? I, I am very curious, like SummerSlam is a bigger show by, by its very nature, but it is very interesting to see that over the next week, I would argue that, you know, save for the like cinematic matches that are being promoted for Extreme Rules, like the biggest like matches are being saved for TV. We've got Styles mm-hmm. and Riddle on Friday and Orton and Big Show, like those two matches to me are like bigger than anything on the pay-per-view what's selling the matches on the pay-per-view are the concepts behind them not so much the matches uh yes. it, and it seems that you know your big matches it's interesting to look at this strategy of at least for the b shows shorter pay-per-views and the excess stuff the bigger stuff put on tv yes that is that is true and, and that would make a lot of sense if they were gearing this up for another tv show another edition of raw rather than a pay-per-view just given the timing and also it seems to be the place where they're putting their serious matches and the pay-per-views are where you go to see the stunt shows. 
Schreiber was with Ruby Riot, and the Iconics came in, and they're preparing for a tag match, but Ruby doesn't have a partner. They said that you're, you have no one without Liv Morgan. We've beaten you one-on-one. Now we're going to beat you two-on-one. And Ruby introduces her new friend, Bianca Belair, who cuts a promo on the Iconics. I really thought this was a, a role for them to reunite Ruby and Liv, but uh, seems to be Belair in that spot instead. As a well, I don't think Liv's available. I think that's pretty clear. I mean, Bianca. Oh, yeah, that's right. Just, I mean, Liv's been off TV for a, f- a few episodes now. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So do you think originally it was supposed to be for Liv? I mean, by the time they were writing this, I mean, it was like, I think it was clear that she wasn't available. Like, Bianca feels like a fill-in, but I'm glad that she was back on TV here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they built the, the match around her. It was very short, uh, this tag match. Um, they beat down on Riot until she got the hot tag that she made to uh, Bianca Belair. And we saw Royce knocked off the apron with a handspring by Belair, who then finished with a standing moonsault on Kay. Riot hit a step up in Saguri, and then Belair ducked the shades of K to hit the kiss of death, the KOD, in 328. And much more of a focus on Belair than it even was Riot. But it seems that uh, whether this is temporary or a new direction, that they're going to pair Belair and Riot together. It needed to be, you know, a strong showcase for Belair because she's been away from TV for so long. This, like, really felt almost like a proper attempt at an introduction here. Uh, by having her, you know, showcase a lot of her impressive spots, her strength in the match. I hope this means that they're finally going to treat her seriously because you see this amount of talent, you see this amount of charisma. Like, man, she is a future top star in this division, in this company. And I, I really hope they don't mess it up. What is... WWE 365 Bianca Belair oh, God. going to look like next uh, March. Oh. See that I, you know, I might at this point even be like a jinx, you know, to have a 365 camera crew following you around. Um, so maybe she should stay away from that documentary. Our truth is that'd that- be the KOD. <laughs> yes, our truth runs into Richard Ricochet, and he says that. <laughs> He asked Ricochet about winning the MVP of Raw and Ricochet, who really does not play off of comedic performers well, says no. Who who does he play well off of? Nobody. Ta- like drama. Bill Goldberg. Oh my god. This is crazy. <laughs> Meet and greets. <laughs> He's great at those. So he says, No, I'm wrestling Lashley with MVP on Raw. Cedric tells R-Truth, you need to worry about Randy Orton. And R-Truth, meanwhile, said, wait a minute, Ric Flair challenged me. And they say, no, Flair challenged you on behalf of Randy Orton. Then R-Truth sees someone off into the distance and goes and gets into Kiro Tozawa's face and says, I need you to teach me to become a black belt in six or seven minutes. Tozawa refuses, goes for a roll-up on R-Truth, but Truth kicks out, so the other ninjas arrive as backup, and then R-Truth's backup. Richard and Seti come up side-by-side next to R-Truth. Cedric does a fighting pose while Ricochet does the fucking crane as they have a standoff. This was the saddest visual. 
to watch Akira Tozawa <sighs> in his ninja outfit as fellow PWG alums Cedric Alexander and Ricochet displaying the crane were his adversaries. Yeah, if you needed a snapshot, I think, of it, like these men's careers, um, it might be this. There's one person in our network that I immediately think of during scenes like this. <laughs> Fuck this company. R-Truth and Akira Tozawa were supposed to have an impromptu 24-7 title match when Truth came out and said uh, uh, why Tozawa has three ninjas with him. He's pointing out. But before their match can begin, Shayna Baszler comes out, making her return. And Baszler applies the Kirafuda clutch onto one ninja, takes out another with a leg kick and a knee strike, and then hits the third with a gut wrench suplex. Tozawa just bails out of there. R-Truth says, I'll let myself out. So Baszler takes the microphone, says she's been patient. She's done allowing people to have their fun. And the weak-minded women's champions are fooling themselves that they're in control. The Queen of Spades is here to shatter that illusion by hitting you with a hard dose of reality. And I am that reality. I was happy by the end of this that I was very concerned when Shayna Baszler came out to this scene in the ring. Because there was a part of me that thought, oh my god, she's going to win the 24-7 title. But... She just dispatched of everybody and then got got to cut a serious promo. So hopefully this is a reintroduction of Shayna Baszler and she isn't uh, part of the ninjas by week four of this return. I thought we were going to get vampires versus ninjas at the start of this. Oh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I definitely had my concerns too. Like, I... I think Shayna is the type of character. I mean, she's a shooter. Like she's got a legitimate <laughs> style of fighting. She should be nowhere near ninjas in wrestling, nor the twenty four seven title. And um, I, I think it, it, obviously this was like a. Good, I think this was a good reintroduction. Okay, like in their way, this was a strong way of reintroducing Shayna. But to like have her. Enter a, a, a comedic setting kind of takes takes the seriousness of the beatdown away, and um, you know, not to mention it's like a completely different division. But you know, what? I it could have been a lot worse. So I I I thought this was an interesting, fine way to redebut her. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. The proof is going to be in the pudding. Like if they if they see Shayna as someone serious or a character that they just don't get, because you know it's been a lot of start and stop this year where Shayna has only progressed to a point and this will be the latest example of whether they're serious about her or whether this is just a character that they've called up that they're not fully committed to. Mm -hmm. I think the jury's out. Yeah. Murphy is with Seth in the back and Murphy asks Rollins if he literally means that he is going, that they are going to try and blind one another at this (laughs) pay-per-view. Rollins says, uh, nothing of significance happens without sacrifice. Ray asked for this, and I've got a message to deliver. So Murphy and Storyline even thinks this is ridiculous. I mean, so the whole episode really is to... so Make last it clear, they, this is not yeah. a metaphor. This is yeah. literally two guys that are going to pull each other's eyeball out. And if they don't, the match will just continue until one does. Last week was the announcement of the match, and this week was, really? 
and them explaining the really for the whole episode. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that should be the tagline. Really? Really. Uh, we got a promo for 2K Battlegrounds that comes out in September. Tom Phillips can't wait for this game. I would say watching this trailer, this feels like a sneak peek at the next year of pay-per-views. Oh, you think they'll move on to the virtual world at some point? We might get there. We may. Seth Rollins comes out. All I can say is that if you have not been enjoying this man's promos, then this was for you. An eye for an eye. 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 What does that even mean? He thought Ray meant it as a metaphor last week for revenge. But Rollins has come to understand that Mysterio meant it literally. He wants to lead Raw to a brighter future. Because it's just in complete darkness right now. And Ray has resisted his part. Now he's in a match where you can only win. This was the exact verbiage. If you pluck someone's eye from its socket. I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. The the line that just goes in my head throughout this past week is like how prescient that blood and guts dig was by Vince McMahon. I mean, this is just next level hypocrisy. It, it really is. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they built it up so much. I, I, I mean... It it is all going to be in the production. I want to see a close up of this thing. I want to hear the sound effects. You know, give me some like very nice little squishy ADR. Maybe they'll use like a watermelon or something just to make that noise. Oh, they'll they'll, they'll have a different foley. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Excellent. Like, where, what's, yeah. where where's the end point? Like, when when do we build up to like a you must vomit match? That like that like what will be the next gross out factor that. Well, I I want to see how crazy it is. Like, what what's your what's your 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 level of acceptance of like where they can go? Um, a firearm match. Mm. You must shoot your opponent in the chest with you know who five knows, ammunition who, <laughs> in a closed set. No, I don't know if they'll do that, but who knows what goes on in the mind of of Vince McMahon? Um, I I. I mean, I think that really is a question that I can't answer. Rollins explains that WWE has never sanctioned such a match. Thankfully, we're in the state that would probably give it the green light right now. He never meant to harm Ray. He presented himself to Rollins in a time of need. I'm just going to skip through this. This was a long-ass promo. Uh, He says how Ray will be blinded after Sunday, and he will never... (laughs) I'm going to really try here. He will never get to watch his son be married. (laughs) He will never see his wife's face again. He will never see another sunrise or a sunset. It will be the end of Ray, but in some ways, a new beginning. (laughs) This is a blind man. The thing is, like in wrestling history, there have been some huge angles that have drawn serious money based on the notion of trying to blind somebody. Like Fred Blassie and John Tolis with the, the Monsel's powder that drew a huge number in, uh, like for their cage blow-off in L.A. in the 70s. When uh, Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase, like you have, there have been like major uh, angles. Um, you know, the Junkyard Dog one being a big one in, in Mid-South. But this one to me is just like, 
it is so ridiculous. Like this is not a case of, you know, trying to turn this into some kind of like serious angle at all. It's like, it's all being done for just gross out enjoyment of some, of some kind that you, you can't, ha- you can't take this seriously in the least. Right. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that was, you know, any of the matches you had just mentioned were their inspiration or if their inspiration was more like Friday, to th- Friday the 13th or something like that. Um, this promo, man, like you said it, if you enjoyed, if you, if you haven't been enjoying uh, Seth Rollins promos lately, good luck getting through this one. I, there are moments where I'm watching Raw where like I often, you know, really do feel like I, I remind myself how long I've been watching three hours of Raw. Like I'll sit on the couch. I got my laptop there. I'm typing all these notes and I'll just have these periods where I'm like, I've been doing this shit for eight years. And I, who knows how many more years I have left in my life of doing this. Like, and I felt that way about Seth Rollins promos today. Like I've been watching this guy overact for at least 10 minutes a week for like five months now. And only in professional wrestling would this be allowed to go on for as long as it has. What, what other like art form would you have where a guy would just come out week after week and just try to try try so hard to act and um i guess to to varying degrees of success and taste for a lot of people but i i i i i've gotten to the point where especially like when he tries something so new and i give him credit i guess for experimenting but um i just found it pretty unbearable today mm-hmm. yeah um it's it's just i don't know this this angle has just but there are people that might like it, you know? Um, I'm sure there are people that like it. I'm sure that, like, otherwise it wouldn't continue on. So, uh, these shows aren't made for everybody. Not for me. Yeah. The, 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 the funny part, as, uh, you know, I mentioned that, like, the JYD angle. He, he did do the feud with DiBiase, but, like, the blinding angle was, was with the Freebirds. So, it's like, Michael Hayes is, like, probably, like, having, you know, he does have quite a history of, like, drawing with, like, this kind of a of an angle that I, when they did the first angle with Ray and like I, I thought like it was a very violent angle, but it was also something like okay there there's something you could do here like this is uh, something that you can really go places with and I just I just wish they didn't take this this ninety degree turn into such a direction with it that we've we've just lost any kind of logic factor and we're just going for such low hanging fruit of tune in to see something utterly ridiculous because at the end of the day, I don't think it's these kinds of stunts that ultimately draw. I think it's emotion that does that this feud could have had that WWE angles don't typically tap into. And you've got like a great promo in Ray, a, a tremendous sympathetic baby face in Ray. And this feels like it's just like, I don't think this is ultimately going to be all that successful in a, in a larger scope. It's just going to be something that people laugh about on Sunday. And then we move on. They could surprise us. We really, you know, don't know. Like the match could be an excellent match, you know, using that device of the steps. I, I actually to- think the ending is going, because everyone knows what's to come. I think it's going to take everyone out of the match because they're all going to be just focused on what the ending is that it almost so, so they can use it to they can tease it throughout the match i mean that is the near fall is poking somebody's eye into some sharp object 
you're right. Yeah, it's the uh, the elimination of one's eye from its socket. That will be uh, the draw. Do you think it's going on last way? If you, as you've, I, I think there's a stronger chance this could end the show on Sunday now. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about a show called the horror show at Extreme Rules, you better like you know have the most horrific event headline it, and it would be between this and the Swamp Match. I'm thinking it'll be this one. Oh, I think it's. I feel this one ends it, and you also go off the air with the idea of like what happened. So tune in Monday. Oh, okay. Oscar uh, Sasha is on the show too, isn't isn't it? Sasha and Oscar, yes. I mean, really, I would end the show with that one. Like that, to me, stands the best chance of actually being the hottest like in ring match with the most anticipation. So I really hope that one ends it. But if it's like, uh, this is the new poster for it. Like it's they're building everything around the eye for eye for an eye. Like I I think this is how you almost have to end it. Like again, I don't know how you go from this to a regular match afterwards. I mean, it's not like it's uh, the crowd's going to be dead. You're you're in this situation, but I don't know this 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 clearly feels like what the entire show is now built around. So we'll see on Sunday, and also how they they book it as well. I mean, it's. You know, it could be writing out of writing Ray off. Yes. After the promo, we had uh, Owens interrupt him. And he said he thought Ray was going to choose the last man standing or the steel cage match. Calls Rollins a scumbag because he's made Ray, a genuine nice guy, want to gouge his eye out. But he understands where Ray's coming from. Owens is ready to end his own career at WrestleMania to shut Rollins up. And Rollins, he says... I've got a gift for you that you're going to need. I know a pirate named Jean-Pierre Lafitte as he brought out an eye patch. This might have been the best moment on Raw. This was hilarious. God, I would love it if PCO showed up in this feud. (laughs) Like, this this could actually work. This is a storyline completely tailor-made for that character. Dude, Seth Rollins' acting would shine so brightly. Not on Raw, but in PCO's videos with Destro each Monday. He's a perfect fit for those. Send him to Quebec. So, yeah, I w- PCO would save this thing. PCO Mur- gouging your eyes out? Like, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, Murphy comes out, followed by Aleister Black. They fight on the floor, and we go to Murphy and Black here. Um, they they were, I mean, these guys just have great chemistry. They didn't really have much time here, nor was this uh, a big focus on Raw. Uh, Black hit this flying knee, uh, and then Murphy was constantly going after the right leg and stopped the Black mass, but then these up kicks sent Murphy to the edge of the apron. Murphy nails the leg and then steps on the middle rope, teasing a suplex to the floor, but instead, Alistair hits the Black mass to Murphy on the second rope, and Rollins just runs in for the DQ in 542. So Ray and Dominic come out and we go to commercial break. I can't get mad too mad at, at, at a DQ with a great looking, you know, spot like that with like Mur- uh, a black hitting that huge black mass with Murphy hanging off the rope. Um, I, I mean, anytime I see Alistair Black in ring during this feud, I just keep on thinking about how, how like underutilized he's been thus far on Raw. He's clearly the guy among the entire group that's involved with this whole thing that they should be pushing the hardest. And it would be one thing, I think, if he was in a position where he could, I don't know, use the spotlight here. But in my opinion, he's gained nothing from being in this feud. He's not getting the rub really from Ray at all. Instead, it just, for me, cements him more as sort of like this sidekick mid-card level, like on the level of a Buddy Murphy. 
he feels like he's in a similar position to where Drew McIntyre was a year ago, where it's not like he's uh, just been given up on. Like, he's protect- he's protected to a degree. He's just kind of there. He doesn't have much storyline going on. He really has no storyline going on. Mm-hmm. But I feel he's not at a level where you can't just instantly put him into something meaningful and he can excel in that role. But he's sort of just there to eat up segments at the moment and doesn't See, have a really sustained role on the show. So I agree with you that he's not necessarily at that level yet, but isn't that space on these B-level pay-per-views, especially like the undercard, don't you use that type of space to get him to that level? Some storyline is better than no storyline at all. Like I you think with him, I think with him up. they're just yeah, they're not doing anything with him. Like he's just there. And maybe the idea is you know, it's like we have our people that were that are the focus, and there are others who are just the support. And right now, Alistair Black's the support, which, uh, I mean, certainly he could be utilized better. But I also will say he could be utilized a lot worse. He could be oh, fighting God. ninjas or doing the crane. Yeah, I guess so. Yes. I mean, they could turn him heel, and he could be a real cocky asshole calling himself A-Lister Black. Wow. Wow. <laughs> There's a good one. Wow. I feel when I have awful ideas, I have to throw them out because then it guarantees they'll never get used. So anyway. Uh, I can see that t-shirt being made. A Lister Black. <laughs> Rollins and Owens had their WrestleMania rematch. What a strange match this ended up as. Um, good match between the two. Um, Rollins uh, is selling for a long period of time, and it was very weird how it was laid out because we had Ray, Dominic, and Aleister Black surround the ring. So Rollins is outnumbered, and he's trying to get away, but he can't, as the babyfaces outnumber him. Uh, Eventually, Rollins gets in control, but then Owens nails him with a super kick. Rollins sends him into the buckle and hits a blockbuster, and then avoids the pop-up powerbomb, super kicks Owens, but then misses the stomp, the stunner gets blocked, and then Rollins gouges Owens' eye on the turnbuckle. But then, before he can capitalize on the eye gouge, Alistair distracts him, Dominic distracts him, and then Ray distracts him. So during this time, for a storyline where everything is built about this man having this destructive ability to harm one's eye, Owens recovers in these 40 seconds, hits the stunner, and pins Rollins on this go-home show to send us into this show on Sunday. If you... Like watch this match with the sound off. Um, it was you'd be rooting for Seth Rollins weird. to overcome the the these heels. Oh my god, it was super weird. It was like Seth Rollins fighting off a four on one advantage the entire time. The man is hitting suicide dives to break the momentum of the guy that's attacking him with this advantage. And man, like I couldn't believe the booking. Not only are they heading into this pay per view by having Owens, a guy without a match beating the guy in one of potentially your main event matches. They had him do it in a four-on-one advantage with all the base baby faces, essentially helping him cheat with distractions to get that victory. I, 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 I really didn't understand it. And, you know, if you haven't watched this match and you, for some reason, if you plan to, please try to watch it on mute and just give me your reaction. Cause it, it, you could have absolutely watched this match with Seth Rollins as a baby face. Yeah, I, I thought, like, the, the, the work was fine, but the booking was just mind-boggling in this. Like, I, I don't care if the argument is that 
Rollins comes out Sunday, and then he's got a program with Owens. This was not the week to beat Rollins uh, going into this feud. To me, it's like this angle needs as much help as it can get. Rollins, to me, is not this super hot heel. And to me, you know, the idea of Owens, like his role this week would be the sacrificial lamb. He's not focused this Sunday, and you're building up to what could be your biggest match on Sunday. Um, I just found this, this felt like, just lessening Rollins' character. Like, they got their uh, modicum of revenge right here uh, by the end of it all. So I mm-hmm. I thought this to be very perplexing. Ray then gets uh, promo time here. He tells Rollins that he tried to end his career and terrorize his family. He crossed every line. Now it's his turn, and I'm going to make a sacrifice of my own, and you will leave with one eye. Yes. One eye Rollins. So someone's either Rollins is going to have an eye patch or Ray is going to be completely blinded because mm-hmm. he's already got one. How, how's he being sanctioned with one eye? Is this, uh, um, is this Jean-Pierre Lafitte in the Brawl for All? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he wrestled that entire gimmick with one eye. Ric Flair is backstage on his phone and Big Show walks up to him and Ric Flair reminisces about his career. It went 48 years, and for 25 of them, he knew the Big Show and has known the Big Show since day one of his career. And he brings up Brody, Hanson, Andre the Giant, but Big Show has the most athletic ability, and he's done it all. But now you're picking a fight you can't win. Look at Edge. You can't go do movies and then come back. Why do you think The Rock's never come back? It's pride and reputation that's leading you now, Big Show. You should want to go into the Hall of Fame without an injury. Randy's on top of the world. He's the best right now. And it's not too late to bail on all of this. And Flair goes to leave. And then Show tells Flair, you really are the master at this. As the dirtiest player in the game. And Orton might be the best the WWE has ever seen. But tonight, Randy's taking on one of our friends, Rick. Our truth One of our close friends. And he asks Flair, are you ready to sacrifice your deep, long friendship with R-Truth for Randy Orton? Uh, Okay, everything before Big Show uh, informed us of this magical friendship. Dude, this was an awesome segment from Ric Flair. I thought Ric was great here. It it was the best backstage segment on this entire show by miles. Yes. Like, Flair was the most genuine, real voice on this whole show it felt like a promo that came from the man himself uh, because I certainly can't really picture the staff dropping in references to Stan Hansen or Bruiser Brody, uh, but it sounded genuine. And, you know, after some off years, like Flair's return this time around has really impressed me. Yes. Health concerns aside, this was, yeah. uh, this, this, I will say, it, it, like he had a great spot on this show. He was not just uh, interacting with our truth and the ninjas. Uh, but th- this was a great segment. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, and then we found out he's best friends with our truth out of nowhere. This was all a little strange. The um, what they were doing here to build up this our truth match. Uh, then we got a big video package on Randy Orton, and we cut to Orton, who cuts a promo saying that in this industry, you're lucky to leave it with a few friends. And I had those friends that I bonded with on the road, that I laughed with, and mentions those, the four pillars that he has met in his career. His circle, Edge, Christian, Big Show, and Ric Flair. Fuck you, Paul. 
These are his four. And Edge came back at the Rumble, and he didn't trust Orton, so he sent Edge home. And there's nothing wrong, he said, with Christian defending his friend's honor, but he selfishly accepted a match with Orton. And I've known Big Show for 20 years. He took me under his wing, and I don't understand why the Big Show is doing this. Ric Flair is family, and it would be a shame if Rick did anything to jeopardize their friendship. I respect our truth He's made the WWE Universe laugh and smile for years, and it's going to be sad that he amounts to another chapter in the history of the Legend Killer. And then Flair shows up, telling him it's time to go, and as Rick walks off of the screen, Randy just stares at Rick. And yeah, this was like projecting doom on Rick Flair, which I think is where everyone assumed that this association would crumble, but it might happen sooner than we think. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps next week. I mean, um, you know, there didn't really seem to be any hint of Flair turning or getting involved even in the match, um, you know, in in uh, Big Show's favor from their last interaction. But I mean, Randy Orton probably is the type of character who can't really help himself. If he sees a legend somewhere, he probably wants to kick their head in. Uh, but I yeah, so you have, we have that to look forward to. I actually wish he omitted the line about, I hope Rick doesn't do anything to jeopardize our friendship. And instead, we just left it with Randy giving that look to Flair just to be a little more subtle and just leave it there like hanging instead of just calling it out for what it is. um, Because it did feel very abrupt. Like what what would uh, give Randy this uh, reason to, to doubt Ric Flair right now? I think it should just be something like the audience clues in on that. They shouldn't trust this guy. And then whenever, if it's next Monday, whatever, then he punts this guy in the head. Mm-hmm. We got a graphic way that in the year or so of this 24-7 title, there have been 99 different reigns with 36 different people. And our truth has held it 37 times. Wow. Someone has collected this data. Um... Someone's in yeah. charge of the 24-7 title lineage. So R-Truth comes out for his match, and Ric Flair comes out first. <laughs> and Ric Flair goes, hey, Truth, what's up? He says, Orton loves R-Truth. That's why he's not going to field goal him tonight. He's only going to give him the RKO. So Randy comes out, and Truth starts pleading with Randy Orton that he needs to go speak to Ric Flair. And then Orton goes after him, but then Truth attacks. He's tried to trick uh, Orton and then misses a scissors kick, RKO, and Randy pins him in 32 seconds. And I thought this, you built this R-Truth match up to be, this is as much as you were going to get out of it, to try and have some care in the world that he was going to kill R-Truth. I I didn't mind how this was done. Oh, I didn't either. I mean, if this thing went any longer than a minute, I think that would have been a real disservice to... Randy Orton. Um, After 38 minutes on Sunday, I was ready for a fun 32-second th- destruction by Randy Orton. Man, it really does tell me, though, how many, how few people want this damn 24-7 title. So many people <laughs> had chances. You know, Shayna had a chance, didn't go for it. Um, Orton, Tozawa course, wants it. He's the only guy. And what what does that mean, say when nobody else wants it but you? Like, what does that say about that guy? And he Randy, can't even get Randy could have started the 100th title reign. Or Flair. Flair had his chance. Nobody wanted to touch this thing. Well, he starts to go for the punt when Big Show comes out. 
Orton tells him to stop or he's going to end our truths career. And Big Show's just pleading, come on. He's, he's one of our friends. And he says that it hurt Randy more than it hurt Edge and Christian when he punted them. And Randy challenges Big Show to a match next Monday in an unsanctioned match. And Big Show agrees. And Randy takes off with Ric Flair to exit. So that will be next Monday. And I think that match can only end one way with Big Show getting uh, punted back to Netflix. Uh, yeah, it could be. Or off of Netflix, because I don't know if that show is renewed, is it? Um, The Big Show show. I, I, I don't know what the uh, state of that show is. Did you ever watch it? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Uh, you know, I feel like this has been one of the better built programs on Raw as of late. And the fact that they're, they're saving it for next week's Raw rather than a pay-per-view, uh, I think, tells you how important it is right now for Raw to have something to look forward to rather than these pay-per-views. Um, you know, spread the wealth. Especially if it's going to lead to Randy going uh, into SummerSlam with, with Drew. Like, let's do a big angle with Big Show in front of the most people on TV as opposed to Sunday. Yes. Ricochet and Seti are with Lashley and MVP. And MVP asks Alexander if he got the whatever he sent him. And Ricochet asks, what, what's he talking about? And Alexander just kind of shrugs it off. So there's some subtlety. Schreiber walks in to talk to MVP. He says he's already beaten Apollo Crews and Lashley's going to injure Ricochet tonight. Then Sarah darts off. She finds Drew and asks him about this mystery stipulation. He doesn't care what the stip is. The psychopath has come out so Dolph can pick anything. So then Dolph attacks him from behind and they fight around the training ring. This was our go-home angle for our title match was a fight in the spare ring backstage in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just a lot of words. <laughs> like, if you could pick any stipulation in the world, I mean, it's like, how creative can we get on a show where you can literally pull someone's eyeball out? Like, what if, like, Drew needs to get a 100 count on me, and I can win with a one count? Which, uh, Drew yeah. is impervious to sometimes even the one count, so, I mean, it might even be a challenge. Um, Yeah, a 100 count match, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Like, if you could pick anything. Like, what, what would you pick? Like, you, uh, like, what's he going to pick? You got to ban the Claymore? Like, how lame is that going to be? I don't know. I can only imagine. I, I hope it's something really off the wall and crazy that nobody expected. A mountain climbing match. That would literally be off the wall. It would be. Okay. It would be on the wall. Bobby Lashley and Ricochet. Uh, Ricochet went to the floor early and tries to avoid, uh, Lashley and he gets tripped up on the apron and Byron asks why is Lashley so mean and he never got an answer they brought up how Ricochet pinned Bobby Lashley in the three-way match last year with Rollins or earlier this year to get the title shot against Brock Lesnar so someone watched 365 and said wait a minute this guy beat Lashley (laughs) let's let's correct that history immediately on Monday that was when he yeah um he pinned I, Lashley. It was a three-way, and that got him the uh, 90-second loss to Lesnar. And he hasn't been the same since. He has not recovered yet. But he's going to be here for a lot of years. This is his first year away. He's not even supposed to be here. Yeah. Yeah, I know. 
Ricochet made a comeback, standing shooting star, then uh, came off the top, missed him, super kicked Lashley, and then did a handspring right into the full Nelson, and Lashley submitted him in 337. You know, the, these two had a fun match a few weeks ago, and I thought this was really good too. A very good David Goliath match that with both men looking very good in both of those roles. I love how Lashley continues to show this aggressive style and that full Nelson now. They've kind of worked into like an instant tap out that can be caught from pretty much any position out of nowhere. Yep. Um, and it worked really well here. You know, it's not something you have to slowly apply. It's kind of like an RKO. It could pop up from anywhere. It could cut off a baby face's comeback and just lead right into the finish. So uh, I say all that because, um, you know, it's too bad Lashley doesn't have a match on Sunday. And it makes you why the guy who does have a match in MVP didn't wrestle here, nor Apollo. So whatever they're showcasing in this match, you're not going to get any of uh, on Sunday. Yeah, well, I mean, it's clear, like, you didn't have Apollo. So it's weird. It's like they're building a match where the key guy is not around. So it's almost like they're building someone completely different in Lashley, who's got nothing going on on Sunday. I I have MVP wrestle here. Yeah, you could have. I mean, honestly, you're pushing MVP more than you are Ricochet right now. Well, he's the guy with the match. I really feel that had Lashley and MVP been an act on SmackDown, I would have put the title on these guys by now, uh, on Lashley with MVP, because I think he would have been a much better character to build SmackDown around that title picture right now than Braun. Sure, yeah. But I think on Raw, it's, you know, it's there. They clearly have long-term plans with with Drew. And on the heel side, I mean, Lashley is not going to be at that Orton level. but I, I think they've done like a really good job with Lashley. They have rehabilitated him significantly in two months. I've I really enjoy these two every week. Uh, and th- and then he laid out Alexander as well with the full Nelson. So they were just left laying. Mm-hmm. Charlie interviewed Big Show, who reiterated that he accepts the unsanctioned match for next week. Just to be clear. Good to know. And then our final match of the night: Bailey and Banks come out. Uh, for whatever reason, they re-aired the tribute video from SmackDown, and they took on the Kabuki Warriors for the tag titles. Early on, Sane is in and was preventing Bailey from tagging out, so Bailey and Banks go to the floor and hit double hip attacks to the Kabuki Warriors. Uh, Sane is thrown into the plexiglass, come back from break, and they had a long period in control of Sane, who would eventually make her way to tag Asuka, and... Asuka fires up on Banks with another hip attack, hits one to Bailey in the corner, and just continues on offense here. Bailey uh, stops her and hits a top rope Frankensteiner, knocks Kyrie off the apron, and then proceeds with Sasha hitting a high cross that is kicked out from by Asuka, but then right into the Asuka lock she goes. Sane then spears Bailey, but Banks makes her way to the rope, and there's a blind tag by Sane. Asuka hits a head kick, followed by the insane elbow. They had several near falls here on the champions, but then Bailey pulled Kyrie to the floor. Kyrie re- recovered, hit a flying forearm, followed by an Alabama slam onto Banks. And then as she went for the sliding D, Sasha countered into the bank statement, submitting Sane, and Bailey and Sasha retained the tag titles. Um, they were in a similar position as last week where they it was Bailey and Banks for the whole final half hour when you include the promo segment. Uh, but I thought this one moved a lot quicker and I, I thought it was a good match that they had. I thought it was great. I thought uh, a fantastic job by all four women involved here. 
I, I, I think both teams are at a level now where they're both really hot and I felt like I was watching this match with a lot more interest this time around than usual when both of them had their prior runs. Uh, and I think they really delivered. Everybody worked really hard. Sasha and Bailey's charisma has gotten to a point where they're both extremely strong in ring. And we got Asuka looking great in there with Sasha. I'm really excited for that match on Sunday. And we had great babyface comebacks from Kyrie saying that I think uh, we've all missed so much. So it, it was a match that to me absolutely delivered on the hype. Yeah, I mean, at least like you, you closed on uh, on a really strong note here with this match. Uh, overall, for for this episode of Raw, I I really enjoyed uh, Ric Flair, this main event, and um, there was something else that uh, I really enjoyed as well. That's not coming to mind. Wait, what did you think about this episode? Um, I would agree with you for those two things. I mean, the rest of it is, uh. I would say of of a raw standard, which isn't um, great at the moment. The the Orton and Big Show stuff. That was the other stuff. Yeah. Orton, Big Show stuff. That's right. Yes. So, uh, you know, some things were good. Uh, I think a great deal of it, though, maybe just comes down to the fact that this is a pay-per-view with a number of programs that aren't really all that compelling nor that high profile. So how really excited are we going to get for anything involving, you know, Drew McIntyre and Dolph? I mean, I say that, but last week had that great Heath Slater segment that came out of nowhere and, and was fantastic. But not, unfortunately, nothing like that this week. No, so. no. That, it was really like a like uh, an isolated idea that they had with Heath Slater that was just really there and gone and I think greatly over overachieved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to pull these shows off, especially when you're doing double taping. So a lot of it. And and with a lot less bodies, clearly. Yeah. So I have sympathy for the people that were producing these shows at the same time. I mean, your audience is still sitting through these three hours and they're very uninspired, very uncreative and very just just there at the moment. Um, So that's where I'm at. So just looking ahead to uh, Extreme Rules on Sunday, this is the updated card we have. Uh, only six matches announced as of now, so we'll see if they uh, tack on anything to the show. But it's uh, Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler for the WWE title with a stipulation to be determined. Asuka, Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's title. Bailey and Nikki Cross for the SmackDown Women's title. Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt, non-title Wyatt Swamp Fight. I guess a title cannot change hands in a swamp. Okay. All right. Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins, pull a man's eye out of his socket match, and Apollo Crews, MVP for the U.S. title. Yeah, it, you know, it's on paper certainly a match highlighted by the, the stunt shows, and admittedly, I think they serve a purpose of garnering interest from people who might have probably tuned out from, you know, weekly editions of Raw by this point. Like, I wonder... A, oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, oh, no, it's a dwindling number, and um, you go crazy when you're looking for hooks to get people to get back into the product, and these weird cinematic matches have perhaps been that hook. I wonder if they're light on match announcements because, you know, they, mm. as of right now, they might not know who's going to be available on Sunday. Like, they... You know, you still have to bring everyone in and they have to go through more testing like they're supposed they're doing NXT tapings Wednesday and then Friday they're doing Smackdown and then Sunday's the pay-per-view. So 
I mean, it could be a case where they might not know like who's available on Sunday. They, I mean, we're, we're six days out. They might not know all the answers yet. That's an interesting point. Yeah. All right. Let's head over and see what the forum had to say about tonight's show. Uh, we are also opening phone lines right now, so if you wanted to get your thoughts in on Raw, uh, we will be taking a few more phone calls if they ha- uh, happen if there happens to be any. Five point six three. The forum gives this one, and we kick things off with Paul. Very nice showcase for Bianca and the Iconics, uh, being fun foils for her. Shayna had a nice return segment, and I made a really good enchilada during the Rollins Mysterio nonsense. So at least it was a productive segment. We all know and love the shouting flair promos, but I thought Calm Rick sounded excellent. Good main event, 6.5. Tune in because it's going to be fucked is a candidate for line of the year. <laughs> I'm not used to like live feedback to a line that I gave an hour ago, but there you go. That, you know, extreme rules, the horror show, gonna be fucked. Andrew from Cape Britain says, so I get that these cinematches are the big thing now, but I feel... The eye for an eye match is going to push it to an absurd degree. Uh, he says, what will be happening at SummerSlam? Winner must shoot their opponent. Okay. Winner must uppercut his opponent into the Deadpool. I guess maybe I'm overthinking it, but the Cinematch deal has run its course for me. Speaking of things that have run their course, the Viking Whackers seem to be fitting into their new role perfectly. I guess they can't... Um. Okay. He says, I can't, I guess they can't lick each other's faces in a post COVID 19 world, but maybe they could do a fun Viking march before losing all their ma- matches. And then there's good old Ric Flair still showing up. If WWE was responsible, they would ask Flair not to show up in the state of Florida, let alone the performance center, but I guess we'll see if he's around during their next tapings. Highlight of the show was the f- two former ROH champs being in the ring while one of them referenced another far- former ROH champion jumping. That, that is true. That is true. We got three. Yeah, um, uh, I I think it's a guarantee Flair's going to be on Raw next week for that Big Show match because I could see that being potentially Flair's write-off if they have Orton turn on him to take him to that you know next that next level for the Drew McIntyre program. Seems to be where they're going at. Uh, I believe we might have a caller on the phone. Hansi, are you there? Yo, what's going on, man? Hey, hey Hansi. Yo, um, <clears throat> well, no, uh, I I gotta say I I. Out of all the main show, like from Raw or SmackDown, I've uh, I've enjoyed Raw a lot more. Maybe because I'm an MVP fan, I, I I haven't minded Drew as the champion uh, as as much as a lot of people. Um, I I'm, I'm going to say something unpopular with the show right now that I, I haven't hated the Seth Rollins shit. That to be honest, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, please I, speak I, up. I I'd love to know like the opinions of of, of fans. Okay. Well, the the thing is, it's like okay, like I I watch a lot of conspiracy videos, right? And hmm. when Seth Rollins does the whole like sacrifice thing, I'm always like kind of like you know I I'm like I hate the language that's being used, kind of in a way, right? Because I I always think there's predictive programming and some type of shit. But I like Seth Rollins subdued. Like I I'll say that I was with you guys when it first started that I wasn't really digging it. But I would think after he lost to Drew McIntyre and he started becoming a little bit more psychotic, I I've enjoyed it more. But again, I don't know how the match is going to turn out. It might be one of the best things. It might be one of the worst things. But I mean, I I wouldn't mind if Seth Rollins was wearing an eye patch for a bit. That would actually Ooh. kind of suit him, really. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it'd be it kind of cool. Yeah, but um, but just to finish off, I just think the Sa- Sasha and Bailey right now 
they are like the best thing in professional wrestling right now to me. I think uh, like this whole storyline has been really, really great, and it's going to be really, really sad when they actually do break up. And the thing is, it's like it's one of those breakups where you don't want it to happen, but you know it's going to happen sometime. So I'm with you guys that this match, Sasha and Asuka, should main event. And uh, I'll leave you guys with that. Thank you. Thank you, Hanzi. Appreciate your thoughts as always. I, I think that you could do... Like they're very reliant on Sasha and Bailey now, and the key whenever you want to do one of these breakups is that you don't want to wait till it's too late and people are just at the point of okay, just get to it. You do want to do it at a time when it is going to surprise people and naturally feel like it's too early. It's it's very tough sometimes to nail the timing on it, but it will be interesting if that because SummerSlam is not that far away. Uh, that that we're looking at uh, if they decide to shoot for that program at SummerSlam or if they feel this thing has enough legs that they could extend it a bit further. Yeah, I think it can. And I mean, with SummerSlam being without a crowd, I think there should be less pressure for them to have to, you know, get right to the singles match for that show. Let the story take its course, feel it out. And, you know, if you have to peak for a Survivor Series or some other time, I think that's perfectly fine. You know, especially if you don't have that pressure to bring back crowds right now. I think you could do do karaoke at SummerSlam. Oh, that'll be the big one. Yeah. But, you know, especially compared to their first run, I think they're really handling this one well. Let's continue here with Alexander from Portland. One thought I had while watching this show. Halloween episodes will never be the same. If WWE can air a match in the middle of July where a man has his eyeball removed... What kind of shenanigans will take place on a Halloween-themed show? Seth has been bland as hell lately, and tonight did not help any. Losing an eye could lead to some good character direction with him. Speaking of character direction, the booking for Sasha and Bailey has been phenomenal. It seems lately Bailey is out of the ring, and Sasha gets to pin submission on her own after carrying the team for a minute or two. Seems like booking you'd see out of AEW. Those screams throughout the show for the horror show videos were hideously bad. My question, is there any stipulation that you think would be most interesting for Drew and Dolph? I'm having a hard time thinking of a stipulation that won't be disappointing. There's there's a question, Way. Like, what yeah. do you think is something like I I pray it's not a ladder match that we're just not gonna be subjected to another ladder match in these empty arenas. Yeah, I think that would be an absolute waste. A ladder match is is definitely a hook and, and not one you just, you know, announced last minute. Because um is there anything that would make me, um, maybe if it was like a blood sport rules match, like a UWFI rules oh, match? Oh, yeah, no ropes. R- yeah, ROH Pure Championship match. How about just a shoot fight between those two? I think that would be a rule I'd love. Like if all of a sudden, yeah, the stipulation I pick is that this is going to be real. Okay, you could you could definitely do that. Um, that would have my interest. Brawl for all, brawl for brawl, all, brawl for all match with with Dolph and Drew. Uh, that that reminds me. Uh, during the 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 rundown, uh, we we omitted the bar fight between Jeff Hardy and Sheamus that we've also got on this show on Sunday. Of course, of course, the bar fight. Um, probably to take place. I I hope. Uh, who knows? That, that has to be outside the PC. You think so? I mean, I, I can actually picture that one being like a bar inside. But like a um, makeshift like bar that they design like backstage, you know, like what they do for like, you know, Christmas, like a Christmas street fight is really just like having a Christmas tree around. 
Anyway. Yeah, you could do that. All right, we got a Phil from Virginia who says, Greetings and sal- salutations, everybody. He uh, says, Great work. Do you think NXT or AEW would try to do a Cyber Sunday interactive type show for a Wednesday night event? And maybe it's a choose your own adventure vote for a cinematic match. I don't know if you can do that because you can do a live is- cinematic match. No, you can't. No. Yeah. Um, perhaps. I mean, when WWE, like whenever people bring up like the Cyber Sunday concept, I mean, they fail to remember like that, at least as a pay-per-view concept, it was a big failure. Uh, they did try it on a few TVs, which I mean, if you're looking for something different um, with interactivity, it's something you could try. I would always be for at least try something once and, and see. I, I honestly think that it is a better strategy most weeks. The, the fact that, especially with AEW, like we never leave an AEW where you don't have pretty much 90% of the lineup announced for the following week. So you got a week to build up these matches and leave, leave the audience from one week, knowing what to think about for the next week that you've got coming up that I think that's a stronger uh, direction rather than tune in and we'll see what you are going to find what we're going to present to you. But for a one-off that they could try it. Let's end the evening off here with one more phone call. And we go to New Jersey with our friend, Brandon. What is going on? Oh, no. Hello? Can, yes. Can you hear us? Yeah. What's up, man? How are you? Brandon, are you, are, are you still in the U.S.? Have you started uh, <laughs> you started your process of navigating north? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it's, the a last pro- caller. It, it's a process, right? <laughs> Especially now. What? What's going on? What do you mean? Uh, I, I'm not going to talk about it, but uh, there, there's wow. a process going on with... Uh... So, someone could be moving. <laughs> someone could be crossing over the uh, the, the Rubicon. Wow. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to pull whatever weight I have to keep the borders closed as long as possible. <laughs> well, you guys are you guys are headed to phase three, so... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if I want to us, over the, right as you know, as a connoisseur of Toronto news media, <laughs> that the GTA, the greater Toronto area is not part of the stage three uh, progression. Yes, it's true. I, I did hear about that, but most of the country is going to phase three. That's, that's where would nuts. you move? Where would you live, Brandon? <laughs> Scarborough, of course. Scarborough sounds I can't, I couldn't get used to Brandon from Scarborough calling in. That would take Ooh, a long wow. time. I'll be harder than getting used to Eric. I think Mark Brandon Hodge. from New Brandon from Newmarket might work. That could work, yeah. Uh oh my goodness. <laughs> Brandon right. from London. All right. Yep. Uh just a couple things. Uh you 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 made uh John, you made uh, <laughs> that uh, who wants to get fucked thing. You made it sound like a <laughs> Jeff Monson, remember? You ever saw that commercial? <laughs> you ever saw that video of Jeff Monson? He was the the, the old UFC heavyweight, the anarchist, the the, the, the crazy guy. Uh, I guess he was promoting something, and he said, "Oh, it was a pay per view." It was like, "Who wants to get fucked?" or something like that. It, it, it's you sounded like that earlier. <laughs> well, thanks, Brandon. Thanks for all <laughs> for tying it all together. <laughs> and uh, uh, hey, props to Phil with with the. <laughs> 1.3 million uh, <laughs> pay-per-view buys. I, 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 I didn't watch Raw. I mean, I, I slept right through it. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> I, don't, 
I don't want to lie to you guys. Brandon, you can call into the show whenever you want, and you don't have to watch any of the programming we're talking about. That is not the draw when it comes to Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's but better uh, when I'll you be... don't watch it, really. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I did. I mean, it, w- it would sound foolish to me. And, uh, and for that, I apologize as a Canadian. It's okay. Um... Uh, but I got nothing. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, have a great night. Uh, you guys are on one today, and I really enjoyed it. That you, you made up that abysmal show. And call, uh, in, call in Sunday after someone loses an eye. Okay, I want I want your analysis. <laughs> I was wondering if those guys' heads are gonna, like, gonna be like cakes, like we've seen on 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 uh, social media this week with the cakes. people. Yeah, you didn't see the videos of like uh, I guess cake makers are making like uh, like hands. They, it look real. They, it looks real realistic. It looks like an actual Why? hand. I don't uh, I don't know. It's good craftsmanship. Couldn't tell you. I I really hope they go full like like you know like trauma like B level <laughs> horror movie and you see like a cutaway of like a really bad prosthetic Seth Rollins head with like a hand shoved into it po- like taking an eyeball out. <laughs> oh man, that'd be so great. Hey, I'm down for that. All right, on that note, I'm out of here. Peace. So soon? Wow. Okay. Brandon Brandon's good with timing. He knows when to rap. He's got a oh, good, yeah. he's got a good handle on uh all right. Leave leave while they're still clapping. Yeah, he he's truly an original. Um Yeah, wouldn't be a complete show without him. Yeah, we don't need any more duplicates though. All right. Uh how did you think Rewind to Raw Live went? Let's let's quickly do a review of our own show. So, we got okay. off we got off to a bumpy start. Um, my intro yeah, was, was my somewhat fault. cut off. That's okay. Because it, it equaled out because on Saturday, uh, Phil went live like five seconds before we were aware. So it all evens out. I heard that. Yeah. But, um, I think I, I noticed that it's fine as long as like somebody mentions it, you know, like it would be weird if we just ignored it, you know? Um, anyway. How about Sorry. from there that we, we got into a real good chat about Hamilton. I think that was a nice flow from kind of the, the awkward start into like a really uh, fun topic that we weren't expecting to talk about. That was, yeah, I thought, I thought that was pretty good. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, was it a bit of a curveball the way I went to promote the shows, uh, before the news, because we had this discussion about doing news before we promote the shows, but you kind of already promoted one thing yeah. happening on the weekend. So I felt let's just get those out of the way. But then we got yeah. right into news after that. That was, I, well, okay. I would assume, I would assume from, from your end, that was an audible. And I thought that was a good one. You know, sometimes you don't know what, ha- what's going to happen in the middle of a review and you just roll with the punches and you certainly rolled with the punches. And I thought it made for a pretty seamless early portion of the show. And then, uh, right it right into news, uh, Got our topics in, uh, actually cut them down a little because uh, we had to get to the phone calls. So, you know, you just, you, you cut on the fly and you just keep, keep going. It was a show that I think organically built up uh, once we got to the body review of the review. I mean, I will say, you know, much like I think our criticisms of um, last night's New Japan main event probably could have shaved off, you know, a good 20 minutes from this uh, little podcast. Um <laughs> We're well, the, the, the review uh, portion. Well, really, the entire thing, because I definitely hit my wall. I don't know if you could tell, John. A like, little bit. 
at about probably the 135 mark and i just i i haven't been able to recover i'm sorry um, it's it's the problem where at times i will i will st- state something that's not really a throw to you but i just kind of leave it there for you and <laughs> you sometimes asshole. like that's a lot of pressure i put on you because i'm pretty much in my head saying Dude, you, you Here, don't have here's to tell the me. ball. Hit it out of okay. the parkway. You don't. You don't have to tell me, John. And I've thought about this recently. Like, cause yeah, it's one thing when it's like you know us talking about, um, you know, Ric Flair being best friends with our truth. It's another one we're talking about, like the big show reaccepting the match. Issue. Like you had no analysis no. to share because there was nothing to this segment. Like that was that was very selfish on my part. Well, I mean, it's that, and it's also like even when it comes to the news, like talking about some of these really serious topics, I'm like, who am I to like have any sort of like opinion about like these serious things, you know? And I sometimes I realize everybody, it's a <laughs> this is what you tune into at the end of the show for. But um, this is just you and me at this point. You know, like, it's like, why am I like, <laughs> it is a lot of pressure to like have something to say about about some of these things. So anyway, I, well, I, I think uh, I think on the serious topics, you you always have like a point or two that is something I, pro- I probably haven't thought of myself. Oh, likewise, likewise. Yeah. And like, it's yeah, it, it, it ultimately turns into, I think, you know, pretty enlightening, interesting discussion. But um, I really did enjoy having like the 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 callers on. I always think you know at this point it can be a bit of an echo chamber just having you and I. So anytime we can have interaction from either people in the chat room or phone calls or feedback, um, especially when it's a dissenting opinion. I loved when Hansi called and was like, "I love that Seth Rollins shit. I love it. He loves it." And I like please like try to like I'd love to know what you think about it and what I'm missing because clearly there are plenty of people that feel the same way as you. And so, um, I, I, I look at it though, from the perspective though, that it's like, I don't like this. Like it's really goofy and stuff, but at the same time, I completely understand why on Sunday night, my Twitter timeline will be exploding with people thinking it's, it's so ridiculous. It's hilarious. And, it's either going to like totally bomb or people are just going to have so much fun with it. Uh, like that's what they've kind of presented. For sure. It's like, again, like, you know, watching a B movie, like shitty thing, you know, on, I don't even know where people watch shitty B movies anymore, but it's like, yeah, it's camp. YouTube. That's where you like the, the, the entire movie is just there on YouTube and they don't even have the, the wherewithal to flag it. It's just like, sure. It's there. Go watch. Yeah. It. It's a communal experience of uh, camp, and uh, not everybody wants that in their professional wrestling, especially when you're talking about main events. You know, especially when you're talking about it coming at the expense of good wrestling, where there hasn't, where there definitely hasn't been enough of. I would say, uh, but that doesn't mean there's no room for it. But even with camp, there's good camp and there's bad camp, and I would say the bad camp is just camp that tries to be, I don't know, either funny or weird, and really kind of fails in that sense, or just leaves you with no reaction, no feeling. And I hope on Sunday we, we get an extreme. Yeah. Because you may have more people tuning in for something ridiculous like that, because there's probably a lot of kids at home right now, because this summer there's no camp. I'm John uh, Pollock. Yeah. He's waiting. And this has been rewind to raw. We are going to be back Tuesday night way. Spider-Man far from home. Yes, we are. Yes. So exciting. Uh, thank, Starring Mysterio. Thank, 
you know, for the 39 of you still sticking around listening to this, I mean, um, God bless you. You've probably fallen asleep by this point. So good night. Sweet dreams. All right. We will chat with you Tuesday night, Spider-Man Far From Home, and then uh, back later this week. Good night, everybody. Even Brandon.